Outer Darkness, Volume 1. Take one. Action. Hi, Dan. Hey, Carl. How you doing? I'm great. This is the podcast. We're talking about Outer Darkness, uh, Volume 1. A very, very wonderful book. Nice sci-fi horror book by absolutely uh, John Lehman, uh, who created Chew, the writer of Chew, which is another good book. I have to actually finish that book. And the artist Afu Chan, who drew the Immortal Iron Fists, which I, another book that I really enjoyed. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll give the quick synopsis and then we'll jump right in. Outer Darkness, Volume 1. Sci-fi and horror collide in this new series from the co-creators of Chew. Mankind has colonized the galaxy, but during our interstellar travels, we discovered a terrifying secret out in the outer darkness of space. Uh, Join Captain Joshua Rigg and the crew of the starship Sharon as they encounter demonic possessions, hauntings, cosmic horror, and more. Dan, how was your time with Outer Darkness? I had a lot of fun with this. A lot, a lot of fun with this. Um... I purposely didn't go in reading uh, the synopsis. Mm-hmm. You just told me the name and told me I'd enjoy it. I was like, okay, cool. So I just downloaded and kept the movie. I, like, I, I thought it was just a straight up space opera. But I was pleasantly surprised when I realized, like, no, this is science fiction horror and taken to the nth degree. And it was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed this book the first time I read it uh, before uh, before we were going to record and reading it again, I was like, oh, yeah, this book really is really great. Uh, I love I love the mashup of sci-fi and horror. I love the kind of inventive characters and, and kind of character classes they added to this uh, space horror show, like the, the mathematicians and the exorcists and the fact that they're like literal space ghosts and demigods floating out in space that they're running into like it's all very uh unique and fun like it's a really fun even though it's like really horrible it's it 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 does pose a lot of fun in the book absolutely um i'd say this is not really much spoilers but like the way they integrated the their technology with the fact that there are gods and demigods um, rolling around that universe like the moment i heard the god engine i was like what it's like what is this and then the fun part of how they decided to you know pretty much fuel the god engine was amazing and a great feat of storytelling right there not even storytelling but just like painting that world mm-hmm. i was like oh like that's messed up and it made me want to turn the page yeah and i i love the fact that they mention a hate engine and then kind of brush that mm-hmm. to the side. I'm like, what was that? How do you feel? <laughs> How do you feed a hate engine? Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that the God engine is powered like, literally by gods, it's not a spoiler or anything, but it's like they're old gods trapped in this engine that are subjugated by the captains of the ship, which is crazy to think that like an ancient deity is powering the ship with its kind of, just its itself, its energy, and then. But it's it's a it's pretty sorry to cut across you, but it's also like fun seeing that parallel about like how uh, not is it parallel? You, you can correct me on this one, but how 
mankind and alien kind has evolved so much further beyond gods that they've now able to just harness their energy. Is it a parallel? Is it a, is it a parallel? I don't think it's a parallel. It, it might be parallel. Um, allegory. No. Irony. Let's, let, let's go with irony. Humans are yeah, let's go gods. If, if it's like some, I know somebody out there screaming, listening to this right now is like, this is what it is. Just, you know, just write it in your, in your mean comments <sighs> on the, uh, super black webpage and keep it moving guys. Or save your mean comments and just be nice. You know, <laughs> not, not everybody. But knows no, it. yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I thought but, I um, agreed. I think that that was an interesting, it, it, it tells a lot of little stories that you kind of think about later. Like that one, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, like they've evolved so much that now they are able to harness a god's power for their own selfish reasons. And that's like something as mundane as powering a spaceship. When mm-hmm. you take a god and you like stuff it in a can and feed it criminals. And and like they, they also almost treat them like the, they're, the gods and the demons are more pests than anything else. Mm-hmm. Because in this world, once again, it's not a spoiler. Um... No, it's like you're nobody's safe, but at the same time, everybody's safe. If if depending on how you look at it, yeah, I mean, we can so we can we that, can get like, into some spoilers. Like, uh, all right, cool, spoiler time. The fact that you can resurrect folks, but with that, you can pretty much kill anybody you want. So, in the book, they do introduce kind of a core set of characters on this ship named. Uh, Sharon, is it Karen or Ka- Karen or Sharon? It's, I know that's the Hounds of Hell or something like that. Oh no, the uh, the ferryman, the mm-hmm. uh, the boatman who brings people to the afterlife. Sha- I think it's Sharon. Yes. Um, oh, say so on, on a quick side note, if you go back to the first issue, um, the cover image, their spaceship looks like Stitch from Lilo, Lilo and Stitch. And I, once I saw it, I was like, "What? I can't get this out of my head." You now. couldn't unsee it. <laughs> nope, couldn't see it. Of all the horror in the book, the only thing that stuck in your mind was the fact that the ship looked like Lilo, uh, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. It, it, it took me out of it every once in a while. I was like, oh, okay, all right. But that's only in the on cover image. Everything else is cool. The cover image threw me for a loop. I have to go back and look now. I, I don't recall ever thinking that. But now I want to see it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, everyone, the core cast of characters on this ship that is literally ferrying these people to their deaths. <laughs> uh, everyone can die and many people Absolutely. do die and people that you don't expect to die so quickly die and then <laughs> and then some people get brought back and others don't so it's a it's a weird I, I like that mix and it, it builds a, a more richer a richer world where anyone is up for grabs in this world and like anybody can get iced at any time and when the the infantry commander, when she got killed mid uh, close to closer to the end of volume one, I was like, oh man, she didn't even get to do anything, and I was looking forward to watching her kind of be a badass, and she doesn't get to be a badass at all, uh, which was a shame, but also great yeah. because you know, no one's safe. Um, you know, say so we can also talk about. Say with the world they've built, like all these characters, I don't know if just in this line of work and what they do, but like nobody, nobody can be trusted. Everybody's out to stab everyone in the back, and there's no qualms about like I'm going to kill this person. It's not that I'm going to replace this person. I'm going to kill this person. Mm -hmm. You know, 
And there are a few times where I laughed at how sadistic these characters were because I, th I think one of my favorite um, one of my favorite uh, issues was where it starts 150 years in the future. Yeah. And that's to go back and tell that story. I was like, and, and they didn't pull any punches. Like you, you saw that this demon on an ice planet killed off an entire race of just, um, of, uh, of, uh, colonists of, yeah. Say, like, and the last child you graphically saw this child just get killed. I was like, what? Like, how's like, how do you tell a story and go back and retell the story? And then you realize, like, oh, no, it's because the reason this, this deed exists on this world is because the captain, Joshua Rigg, you know, left it there, killed it <laughs> and just left it there. He could have taken it with him, but he's too selfish because, like, I don't want that demon on my ship anymore. And he's like, oh, and he even says when this you know ghost comes back together 150 years from all that's their problem mm -hmm. like he has no issue just sweeping things to the side yeah Joshua Rigg is a jaded captain he's a very he he he's a self-proclaimed asshole he he's not very nice to even the people who are his friends he's 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 got his own agenda everyone has their own agenda which i love like everyone is has a very deep not deep but at least another layer of motivation whether it be they're possessed by a demon or they want to be captain or they you know they have a secret love affair going on on the ship you know whatever the case may be it's like everyone has kind of a thing at least in the main cast and it it gives them some backstory and i i love that you kind of dove into the future one because i have my favorite sort of uh section of these books were when they told the story of elocks the ship navigator who mm -hmm. used to be a god himself and was murdered by his sons and then his soul was picked up by the the federation or whatever and then they reconstituted a body for him and then he's now just a navigator on the ship and he acts like he doesn't remember that he used to be a god who was very cruel and he he says it to to the audience like i was a very cruel god and it was fun and he remembers everything and he's waiting to get back to that point. I love that that is like a character on this ship where he has almost uh, supernatural ability to navigate or even feel fluctuations in the universe. Oh, yeah, that was fun. And, and people are like, you don't remember who you are, but you have these like amazing senses. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and the <laughs> fact that his relationship with the captain is the captain doesn't remember his name ever. Oh, <laughs> which is yeah. great and he's just like i hate everybody on this ship but the captain man like i have to tell him my name every single time i talk to him like every time but let, let, let's you know let's also talk about the fact that it's not only alistair who hates this guy it's like he's gotten the entire ship oh we haven't even mentioned we haven't even mentioned alistair right. alistair the first cat the first mate oh sorry yes first officer. yes yes yeah. elox yes elox was the ship navigator like alistair is the pointy headed dude um, yeah, who was cat? Who's like, literally like, captain? I was, I was captain. seeing red in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was seeing red in my head the entire time. I was mixing up the names, but yes, you are right. Um, it's like everybody from Elox to Alistair. I think everybody besides Agwe, his uh, his his advisor, his second in command, mm -hmm. like hates him. But at the same time, like he uh, Riggs made sure to give them a reason to hate him. 
Oh yeah. Like it's almost like he does. Like he he's purposely setting up that boundary so he doesn't care in the long run about these people at all. Yeah, and it's also it was a power play. Like his first mm-hmm. when he first showed up on the ship and he basically steered them into danger, and to say you know let me check first off let me check the crew, let me see how competent they are. Two, let me see how they react. Uh, my you know my direct reports how they react to my commands do they pull it off do they do whatever and then who do i have to look out for and he and it all works he's like i i like the fact that that lady punched me in the face because i deserved it and that other guy threatened Mm -hmm. me and i deserve that but the people i'm really worried about are the people who didn't even say anything to me he's like those are people who have to be taken care of and that just happens to be the ship advice uh the ship administrator prakash and then alistair which was yes. it sets up that dynamic where they're like, he's gonna ruin the ship. We have to get rid of him. And then Joshua and tells Agua, he's just like, you know, they are gonna be a problem. We have to get rid of them. Now we have conflict in space, mm-hmm. <laughs> rocketing on a ship to the outer darkness. Which uh, yeah. for people who don't know, the outer darkness is, I think, further than any any place anyone's gone. Uh, and it's where the souls of the dead travel to. Yes. Uh, so when when people die in this world, uh, Elox made it a point to say, you know, there is no heaven. We are currently in hell. And when you die, your soul is rocketed to the outer darkness to just float forever. Yeah. Which is which is weird and very interesting all at the same time. Like, say, I didn't when Elox said that line, I didn't know what he really meant by hell. Like, was it his version of hell? Like, he thinks he's personally in hell, or he knows for sure that it's hell. So I'm curious to see, like, where that storyline does go, because I'm sure they're going to take you there at one point. Yeah. They did a really good job of introducing these characters, giving you a subplot point, and every issue feeding it in some way, shape, or form, like, to build those characters up. So you get a better understanding of who these people are. Right? Um... And it's hard. It's like, I'm sitting over here right now. Like, what do I want to talk about next? Like, what can we talk about next? But at the same time, like, you know, I don't, like, we don't have time for that. Like, it, everything, this book is so fun, but it's yet dense. Super dense. Super dense that we can literally sit here and break this up into different episodes and or talk for like six, seven hours straight about this. All right. So let's, let's, uh, why don't you, I'm going to go first. Pick. Pick something that you really enjoyed about the volume one, and then we'll discuss that. So I want to talk about the fact that they have mathematicians on deck to create um, like wards with uh, like algebra and math equations that help fight off demons and, and, and ghosts and protect people. It's like what you would imagine a holy glyph or some sort of uh, protective um, sigil but they're doing it with math. And I thought that was really clever because mm-hmm. math is a universal language. It's in everything. You can see math in everything, at least from human perspective. And math, you know, you have to measure, you literally measure everything or you have to, there's a, a finite amount of something in everything, right? Like we have an X amount of cells, so that's math, you know? So the fact that you, they found a way to write an equation to do something for ghosts or to protect, uh, you know, from demons or to repel people. I, th- I thought that was super uh, inventive and interesting and taking something that for me, 
I hated math my entire life <laughs> and make it cool. Like you make it this really funky thing. They're like, oh, you can use math to fight demons. That's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And repurposing something that I didn't like into something I liked. I was like, oh, you guys win. You know, you, you made me like math. Mm-hmm. So like I think um, for me, it would be where I essentially got hooked on the book and, you know, going back to the God engine, like the moment it's like, like the God engine is like, what can this actually be? Like the soul, like the, like, uh, like, uh, the essence of it or the actual soul or the living embodiment. And the moment they introduced him and they had rig sit there and literally shout him down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I'm the master. I control you. Like once again, it goes back to that term that I don't remember. Um, where, they're showing how man has, you know, has outgrown God. The role reversal, and now there's only tools more than anything else. Yeah, I love, I love you that know, part too. Um, it was really interesting for him to be so flippant and aggressive at something that was, you know, this ancient deity that murders and eats anything, and mm-hmm. it's just powering a ship. That was really interesting. Um, and then say, like, you know, putting a little lid on the 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 ghost engine, how they power it up is that they bring in criminals and they sacrifice the criminals to the god. And they went as far as even showing that they literally just dump the bodies into the tank and the god just rips them, you know, rips them to shreds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. It's like, that's what, it's like, when I saw that, it's like, okay, that's what book this is. Yeah. And I was, I was their hook, line, and sinker from that point on. All the deities in this book feel like they have this kind of slave and master mentality mm-hmm. uh, there there there's lots of like who is your master who do you serve when it comes to all the deities um which i thought was interesting because they're these all-powerful beings and they're being like subjugated by by the crew of this ship which is weird you think they'd have the power to fight back on that but whatever let's see but yeah i mean it comes out to that same thing like they they they're not strong enough to do that. It feels like a lot like American Gods, um, where you know people that like the whole thing is like the gods only exist because people like strongly believe in them. Yeah. And the moment that you know the belief stops, they just kind of disappear. So these people just seem to be believing them only to the point where it's like you are useful to us. We can use this engine, or we can you know chase down other other um, souls that we want, like all this different stuff. It's you know. I mean, I can't, bravo, absolutely bravo. And the art on top of that as well, like, you know, very, very simple cartooning style and so expressive. Super expressive. Very colorful, very personable, very Mm -hmm. um, rich, like lots of rich colors, lots of very um, dynamic panels. And you can tell, I like the character design because you can tell everyone from each other. So you never really get lost about who is who. Unless someone's like wearing a helmet or something, uh, exactly. But other than that, you they're they're all very unique characters. It's almost like uh, Dungeons and Dragons esque, where they're yes. very defined. Like this is the barbarian woman Baxter, the infantry commander. She's very big and she has this big ponytail and you know a crew cut and she's very wide. But then there's like the chief exorcist, uh, Reno uh, or Reno, who's very short. He's like a dwarf with uh, you know like elfin elven haircut or something like that and then there's like bug people and then elox has like that wide wing hair uh head and then alistair has the pointy hair 
the pointy head, which is weird because at one point he puts a helmet on and it's a very, it's a normal sized helmet. I was like, do those things bend? It's cartilage. Let, let's go with cartilage. It's like, it's like like an ear. So it's just like yeah, yeah. But there's so much of it. Wouldn't that hurt? <laughs> I I don't know. It's like people have big noses and big ears. Who knows? I, 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 like, I didn't think too much into it. I've, as a man no, with big see. ears, it hurts when I have to put on like anything around my ears. Mm. So I would think like if he had to bend that whole notch thing into a helmet, it would be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I didn't even notice it when I went through it, so I'm not thinking too much about it now. Okay, I'll definitely find it uh, on my second and third read through because this is definitely worth the worth the read through. Like, but getting back to the art, you know, Carl Sumner best where like everybody has their own particular silhouette. So even if you just drew. Uh, character in black, just a black outline, you know exactly who you're dealing with in, in this book. So, like, bravo. Um, I mean, there's not much I can say about that. It's like, even for a horror comic, like a sci-fi horror comic, like, this doesn't feel out of whack. Like, it feels natural. Uh, just for reference for people, the name of the god inside of their ship's engine is Galu. It is a giant, like, bull <laughs> demon with four horns so two horns like a normal bull and then two horns underneath it pointing downward um and it's just a skull face and a, i think it has a mullet he said he was actually a sumerian god right like an old sumerian god did he i don't know i didn't get uh if that's in volume two which you've read ahead maybe but they didn't no. they didn't mention that he, in the beginning hmm no. okay all right or maybe they didn't i missed it i don't remember but either way he, it, he looks like he could be a sumerian god or was yeah. or was Elox a Sumerian god, and he was out there chucking people and, and sacrificing virgins and stabbing ladies? He literally says he, he killed women and virgins. Yes, <laughs> um, the hearts out of virgins. I, I would say, I mean, he's he's an analog for Sumerian god, but at the same time, like what he's he existed on an alien planet. Yeah, he was an alien dude. So unless you have the, the unless you have the same god jumping from planet to planet to planet. You know, maybe that can be a good excuse, but like a lot of these characters are analogs for other like demons that that we already know. Yeah. You know, so it's like I wouldn't be surprised if that's you know they you, know, you, you borrow a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and then you got this thing right like right here. So like, no joke. As I was going through this, so, you know, on the on the, do you have anything else to say about the art before we move it's on? It's wonderful. We can move on. I love it. Yes, I love it all. The writing. Can we talk about the writing? Let's talk about the writing. All right. So part of the reason I love this so much is that when each issue started, I kept saying to myself, like, all right, this is where Doctor Who usually pops up and tries to save the day. Mm-hmm. Like it had that type of feeling. Um, like as much as it was horror, it was still light. Like, you know, it wasn't funny, but it was it's like it was snappy enough. I was like, okay, all right, it's like, it's like this is fun, very quick, quick read. You know, if there's anything that um, I had to critique about, it would be the fact that, and we discussed this before, that it would be the fact that we felt like we were popping in at the tail end of conversations a lot of times. You know, it's like uh, points that you think there would be more conversation kind of to build up, like, uh, the characters themselves. Like, you just jump, jump, it's like, oh, it's like, jump at the end of the conversation, pretty much like, Okay, I'll see you on the British captain. Like, I felt like I was missing something constantly. Yeah, there was a moment uh, in one of the scenes he pardons a woman from being fed to the God Engine. And then she pops up on a different planet 
with this guy uh, Sato Shin, but I didn't real really realize who was who. And then for some reason, I thought Shin was the captain. And then they get killed, and I was like, "Did the captain just get killed?" And then it was like, they jumped back in time, and they were like, "So and so is such and such is happening." And yeah. then I was like, "Wait a minute, I'm a little lost." I was like, "So that wasn't the captain? It was a completely different person." <laughs> oh, so that's the lady who he pardoned. I had it took me a while to be like, "Oh, okay, I understand what's happening now," because they kind of yeah. they kind of sh- shifted scenes to people who weren't in the last scene, but also weren't important enough that I should have known their names already. Like the lady was yeah. like a throwaway character and the other dude was new. Then all of a sudden we're on a new planet. And I was just like, wait, where are we? What happened? Yep. But uh, it, it didn't happen often, but it, it happened. That was the major one where I was like, wait a minute. And the other ones I kind of, I started reading a little closer where I was like, okay, this character is this person. This is this. Per- okay. I understand now where we are. So when they kind of jumped a little bit, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm still following. Yep. Um, but I do love the writing. I love, I love the exactly uh, like that's that's exactly what I was about to say. It's like as much as like that small critique, then it is a very very small critique. You know, from cover to cover, it was it was fun, it was energetic. It wasn't cliched. And, that was my thing. Like they they didn't write things that I I could anticipate. So there were there were times where the each character was being cliche, but I think that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Just kind of play out the you know, kind of play out their tropes a little because the, I think this lends to not um, it's like not uh, it's like making conversations la- like longer or scenes longer. I think it's like they 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 threw them at the end of a scene just so that character could say the most cliche uh, cliche thing for their character. Yeah. So you you have to so you you can ditch all that extra story. It's like this is who we are and we keep moving forward. But in terms of telling a story from like a horror story in general. You know, no, like it wasn't cliched like that. Uh, and that's what kept me ready, reading a lot of the time. It's like, it's like, I want to know where this is going because I haven't seen this before. Yeah. And I liked, I liked that when, usually when you write in a comic, if, if someone doesn't like something, they'll write, you know, specific phrases like, God damn that cat, you know, God damn that cat kind of thing. And they'll mm-hmm. keep it really simple. But this one, it, it writes stuff like God goddamn son of a son of a bitch asshole shit cat who would put the word <laughs> shit after asshole in between sh- asshole and cat yeah I, I really dug the writing I thought it was it, it helped push the book along and mm-hmm. for and for someone like Joshua Rigg who is this kind of he's like Han Solo if Han Solo hated everybody and didn't want to do it uh, it, it would have been easy to write him as such but they they kind of forego that through his actions, you know, like with, you know, steering them into danger to test them and kind of just the things that he says, like, yeah, they have to be eliminated kind of thing. Like, I like the way that they wrote um, for Joshua. And it's hard to like him, which uh, oh, which will bring us into what did you think of the captain, the black captain, the black space captain, Joshua Rigg? Um. I had to think about this for a while. Like when I put down the book about three days ago, um, I wasn't sure. Like I, I literally put it down and that was the first question I asked myself. Like, and I came to the conclusion that I feel as if it's not the character was written to be a black character. Um, I feel as if the character was made black. So you would have a different 
perspective Mm -hmm. in terms of how you deal with his actions. Um, And my example is when, um, when he put his crew through what he put his crew, crew through. You know, if this was, I feel as if this, if this was a white character, like a white captain, he'd be seen more as arrogant and entitled. Where, for me, when I was reading, when I was reading Rig, like I kept questioning his actual motive. Like I was like, oh, he's not an. He doesn't like. Yes, he seems arrogant, but is you know, is there a more deep down emotional reason he's doing this? Does that make sense? Yeah, he's he's less. Here's on that same vein, and my my take would be if it were a white captain, like you said, it would just be kind of petulant, arrogant, but because it came from a black character, he's less trusting than most people. Yes. He's very jaded and he's very guarded. We're all, we're yes. all, <laughs> we're all scared. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's like the, the, it's like the question that was stated is it wasn't a yes or a no answer. Technically it was more nuanced, a lot more nuanced. Yeah. Like I don't even know if, if that was the writer and artist full intent when they made that character that way, but that's how I I guess that's how both you and I perceived yeah. it. And that and that's for us, right? That is that is how you a, a really well written story should come off. It's like you can take what you want from the story. It's not, you know, transparent. Like he doesn't say all that, but we glean that from our life ex, uh, life experiences and how we interpret the world so that's what we see someone else might see something different you know they it to someone else reading this book it might just be arrogance it might just be whatever um but to us we see like this flawed strong captain who is put in a situation that he he kind of can't not be in and to accomplish whatever goals he may have he has to have a crew that's going to get him where he needs to be and he can't trust that they're just going to fall in line. So he's going to test them. And those that don't fall in line, they got to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it because of the nuance. Like you said, like I like the fact that he's not he's not like a, a good guy or necessarily a bad guy. He's more worried about the immediate safety of his crew and his ship than he is about, like you said, 100 years down the road when that demon reconstitutes itself yeah. yeah he's he's definitely a, a layered character who's like yeah you can either you can like him or not i think for both of us it's like yeah we 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 fall in the middle it's like it's it's a gray area that that kind of sums up our thoughts on outer darkness volume one dan would you suggest anyone read this book absolutely anybody that's a fan of science fiction anybody that's a fan of doctor who anybody's a fan of horror in general like it's this is a fun read you know, so I, have to th- I have to think of a better way to say that, like a catchy way to say that. But like, yeah, pick it up, read it. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. And after you pick up volume one, volume two is out. Uh, Dan did finish it, and we've been towing the line on him spoiling anything on volume two <laughs> this entire episode. <laughs> uh, I have it. I have not read it yet, but I will because I I do love that book. It just came out a couple months ago, I think. So it's mm-hmm. it's pretty fresh. So read volume one and then pick up volume two and support those artists, especially. Uh, now where you know people you know comics a little harder to get uh absolutely so dan where can people find you on social you can find me at the underscore basement underscore monster on instagram you can find me on the twitter verse under daniel underscore d 
underscore monster. I don't even know. I don't. I never go there. I could care less about um, Twitter. Um, so you could also find me uh, at my online portfolio at www.thebasementmonster.com. Awesome. You can find Superblack at superblack.co where we have more podcasts, features, great stuff for you to read and ingest. Hit us up on Twitch, twitch.tv slash superblackplays where we play video games with characters of color. And of course, you can find us on social media at superblackorg on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all for listening and for reading. Remember to support the arts. Draw something if you can. We love you. And wash your damn hands. And wash your hands. Full stop.